0: Well, good morning, friends. Excited to be back with you. Grab your Bibles and your notepads. I just grabbed a three-ring, you know, like a spiral to keep all of my Revelation notes in. We're, we're in podcast number 483. I think I said that. Yesterday, I made a couple mistakes I wanted to figure out. I, I was excited to have my voice back and to be able to preach, so sometimes I get a little excited. Uh, I misquoted a scripture yesterday. The scripture should have been 2 Corinthians five eight. I think I said eight, nine or something. So to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, they wanted to make that correction. And then I'll try to slow down a little bit. I just get excited to teach on my desk in front of me. If you could see, I have one, two, three, four, five books that I have um, used in this study. And those will all be listed in the notes. So you'll be able to see um, they don't all agree. I don't agree with every one of them. I wouldn't expect to. Um, And I'm still uh, in the process of learning. What I wanted you to know today is that we'll, you know, we're not going to become experts in the book of Revelation because of this study. That's not the point. What I want you to gain gain is the blessing that is found in Revelation 1-3 and then again in Revelation 22-7. The blessing of reading and hearing... And then applying the things that we can apply from the book of Revelation. So that's my goal. Uh, I will, in the introduction, I will, uh, like yesterday and today, give you more information. Some of it you just listen to if you want. You don't have to take all the notes or you can write them down and look up some things. But I just wanted you to, to know um, my goal in this. I have been a pastor who has relatively stayed away from the book of Revelation because there's really two schools of thought. One is pastors don't preach it because they don't understand it and they don't want to cause confusion. And two is because some people believe you can't understand it. uh, So why bother? And three, there are some people who believe they understand the whole thing. And so you're never going to, to be able to learn anything. I believe that we're called to learn something from all 66 books of the Bible. And this is the the ending chapter. And and it's again, the only one that brings a blessing. So we'll read uh, the first eight verses. We won't get through them all today. I found this prayer and I I love this. This is from Ron Rhodes. And I thought I would pray this uh, as we start. Lord, I ask you to open my eyes and enhance my understanding so I can grasp what you want me to learn today. I also ask you to enable me by your spirit to apply the truths I learned to my daily life and to be guided moment by moment by your word. I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Um, I found that and I wrote it on a card and uh, I'll read it again and maybe it's something you can write down yourself. But we always want to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us. Now, as we get into the book of Revelation, let's look at our memory verse, which is verse three. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, blessed, underline blessed, that means uh, extremely happy, joyful, uh, uh, blessed beyond measure. um, Is the one, uh, circle or underline one, singular, who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear, uh, those, uh, which is um, um, plural, who hear and who keep what is written in them for the time is near. This is a promise that fits this book uh, um, only, but I also believe that in the gen- general sense, uh, what we read from scripture, what we understand from scripture, what we apply from scripture, will we will receive blessings. So let's read the first eight verses. We won't get through them all. <coughs> Excuse me, my voice is getting a little stronger. So continue to pray for me. Verse one. Verse four, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from God who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, present tense, and has freed us, present tense and past tense, it's still ongoing, Um from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so amen I am the alpha and the omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come the almighty twice he mentions who is and who was and who is to come, talking about God, but also giving those attributes to Jesus as well. So, as we get into this, we need to understand um, that we're not going to agree on everything. There are great teachers who are teaching this, and so, and I am not a great teacher, I'm just a teacher. But um, this is key in essentials, unity. In the things that are important, Jesus Christ, uh, who he is, his virgin birth, his sacrificial death, his resurrection from the dead, um, those things are essential to us, right? Uh, the Word of God is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. It is it is perfect in its original sense. The Trinity is important, the value of that. Um, in essentials, let's be unified. But in non-essentials, let's give liberty and let's give grace, some of you may have already wanted to turn this off because I've said something you disagree. I would hang, hang there with me. Hang with me. There are 404 verses in Revelation. That's just one of those nerdy things that I love. And there are hundreds of direct and indirect references. I have um, six pages um, of the Old Testament references in front of me. We're going to read every one of them today. Just kidding. We're not um, hundreds of direct and indirect uh, verses in the first eight verses. It's called the prologue. Some of your Bibles will say that at the top, the prologue. Um, the prologue is a separate introductory section of a literary or a musical work. It really sets the stage, kind of like John chapter one, one through 18. It sets the stage of what is next. So this is this is um, separate, but the same. It's 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 all part of it, but it's really essential for us to understand that this is really setting the stage for what is to come. Now, I believe that much of Revelation can be taken literal. When it can be taken literal, it should be taken literal. Much is symbolic, much is apocalyptic, much is prophetic, but much of it is literal. Uh, someone said this, anonymous quote, when the literal makes good sense, seek no other sense lest it result in nonsense. When the literal makes sense, uh, good sense, seek no other sense, lest it result in nonsense. Um, Charles Ryrie said this, the literal fulfillment of past prophecies establishes an unbroken pattern of literal fulfillment of future prophecies. John Walford says, because approximately half of the prophecies of the Bible have been fulfilled in a literal way, it gives a proper intellectual basis for assuming the prophecy yet to be fulfilled will likewise have a literal fulfillment. Did you know that there was over a hundred prophecies about Jesus' first coming that have been literally fulfilled So if his first coming had this literal fulfillment of so many prophecies, we can assume that many of the prophecies about his second coming will be fulfilled as well. It's only logical. And many of those were amazing prophecies given hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus was born now. I said yesterday, i say it again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, this is from Barnhouse, is not merely the revelation of a prophetic plan. It's not just about seals and judgments and bowls and trumpets and beasts and all of these things. But it is the revealing of a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is essential. This is essential that we look at this. What is the revelation revealing? It's revealing a plan. It's revealing... Uh, a people, the the seven churches, but it's revealing the person of Jesus Christ and that is key to understanding it. But also, <clears throat> and this is, is, is essential, what's the historical context of Revelation? One of the reasons for the Revelation was to encourage the persecuted church. And did it need it? Did it need to be encouraged? Does the church today need to be encouraged? But again, it can't mean what it didn't mean before. What it meant to them is essential because it was written within the context of AD 95 and what was going on. Let's look at a few things from history. This is just listen along and uh, see if this whets your appetite to understand what they were going through. Historical context, remember it was written in AD 95. Life expectancy at that time was 30 to 35 years. Jesus had been gone for 65 years, and every single writer of the New Testament letters, except John and potentially Timothy, who might have died within this two-year period, are dead and gone. Paul and Peter, gone. James, gone. All of the disciples have been gone and most of them martyred. Many of their friends were martyred. We're in a second or even third group of Christians here generationally because of the short lifespan and because of what had happened. Um, Titus and the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple 25 years earlier. It was destroyed, brought to the ground. Scattering the Jews. Josephus says this about that time period. So this is an an extra biblical account. This is the Jewish historian. The Roman legions, listen to this, killed more than 1.1 million Jews and took nearly 100,000 captive. That was the ending of a four-year battle for control of Jerusalem um, by the uh, Jewish rebel factions who had had enough of Roman control and the Jews just, or the Romans just brought in their army and they weren't supposed to destroy the temple, but they did. The siege of the Romans took five months. Um, the final stronghold to fall was Masada, Masada. Some of you have seen the movie and that took four to seven months to kill and win, when, when or to conquer. And when they came upon them, remember they had all taken their lives. So all of this is in the memory of these people. This was AD 70, when uh, Jerusalem had fallen, the Jews scattered. And at that point, listen, they ceased to be a nation. They didn't just lose a city. They ceased to be a a nation, then they were dispersed to the corners of the world. Uh, That was the last time Jerusalem uh, was a nation. And until 1948, May 14th, 1948, then Israel became a nation again. And today, almost 2,000 years after the destruction of Jerusalem and 74 years after Israel was again declared a nation, there are more Jews in Jerusalem than at any other time since A.D. 70. Isn't that crazy? That's the history. So as we read this, as we go through this, we need to understand that historically, uh, to stay true to his, his, the history of it, this was a... A beat down church. This was a, a church that needed to be encouraged, and so this message would come through. So let's read. Verse 1 The revelation. Remember the revelation? This is the, the word apocalyptic. It's the only time used here. It means an unveiling. It doesn't mean to frighten, it doesn't mean all the horrors. It, it, it's about a plan that is about to take place and it's about to be unveiled, which God gave which God gave, remember the prophetic succession, God gave it to Jesus, Jesus to an angel, an angel to John and John to the servants, those who were alive then and to you and to me. The things which must soon, underline soon, that word in the Greek means once these events start to take place, they will unfold rather rapidly. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen today or tomorrow, it could. In the sense of some of these things, and some of these things have taken place in a partial fulfillment. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Verse 2. It says this about John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Now it's talking about what he's seeing now, but it also talked about what he has experienced. Look down at verse 9. Says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance uh, that are in Jesus. Now he's saying, I'm part of this with you. I've, I want to encourage you. I was a, on the Isle of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Why is he on the Isle of Patmos? Because of his testimony. Remember, Domitian had had enough of him. He was done with him. He couldn't boil him in oil. And many that saw him tried to boil him in oil. Um, they ended up believing in the God of John and, and, and wanted to, to turn from their wicked ways and turn from Roman worship to the worship of God. And so Domitian had had enough and sent him to this Isle of Patmos to die to be worked to death on this penal colony, to die. He was an old man, to sleep on the ground, to be uh, to be never seen from or heard from again. We know later on that when Domitian was uh, displaced and someone took his place, that, that man had mercy on the church for a while and mercy on John. And John was set free and went back to Ephesus. Verse three, this is key. Blessed is the one, circle one, remember singular, it's to you. Who um, who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and who who keep what is written in for the time is near. Okay, let's take this in context. The first century church, they're scattered all over. There's multiple churches. We know that we're going to read about seven of them and the testimony of those seven churches. But it was it was spread throughout. Um, and the this letter was meant to be written or, or to be read out loud to them. Probably in one setting, maybe in multiple settings, but it was to be read to them and to be understood by them. See, we, for 2,000 years, have tried to make something that God tried to explain unexplainable. The prophecy, the the message was meant to be understood by, by the first century church. Now, look at this. Listen. Many of them were uneducated. Many of them couldn't read, and they didn't have a copy of the Bible, and they didn't have commentaries. So they were to hear the words of this and to understand it and be encouraged. Now, would they understand everything? No. But much of what they would understand would be because of the historical and grammatical context of their age. It doesn't mean that this letter isn't for other generations, but it must first of all be for them. And blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So the the man who would read it uh, would be blessed as well. And those who keep it for the time is near. Now that term, the time is near, is another Greek word. And it's important that we understand it. It means it's impending or at hand, which means the immediacy of this um, is important. Now, I believe the next major event on the, on the prophetic calendar, and this is me, and you don't have to agree with me, is the rapture of the church. I believe that the rapture of the church will take place before the rest of um, with the things that we see in the later chapters. That's me. You don't have to believe me, but that's me. And uh, maybe you'll call me a rapture, Sissy, so <laughs> because I want to go on the rapture. But I believe the, that that is what is true. So the blessing is there in chapter 1, verse 3. And then again, go back to chapter 22, 22 in verse 7. Revelation 22, 7 says, and behold, I'm coming soon. Again, that word soon doesn't mean that... Uh, um, all of these events have taken place soon because this is at the end of Revelation. But it could mean the, um, the immediacy, uh, the, the, the next thing that could happen is Jesus returning for his church. Not the second coming, but the rapture. There's a first coming, then there's an appearing, which is the rapture, and then there's the second coming. Um, so let's go a little farther. Uh, remember, this was to be, again, read publicly. Verse 4. John to the seven churches, and this is about all the farther we're gonna get, that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from God who is the uh, and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. So specific churches means this, listen to this, it means a specific audience, means this is no poetic idealism. It means these are real people in real time, in real places. They were real churches, this was real. This is something we need to understand. And then he gives the the Greek and the Hebrew greeting. Grace to you is a Greek or Gentile greeting. And peace, shalom, from him. And who is it? From him who was, um, who is, who was, and is to come. The eternality of God from the seven spirits and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And let's read just the first part of Chapter or verse five, and I'll quit here, and from Jesus Christ. We have in verse four and verse five, I believe, and many scholars believe, the Trinity in blessing here. We have the Father who who uh, is and who was and is to come. That's the Father. From the seven spirits who are before the throne, I believe that represents the the Holy Spirit. Many do not, that's okay. Uh, but I believe that goes back to Isaiah chapter eleven, verses one and two, and I believe that seventh is the is the the number of completeness, and I believe it talks about the Holy Spirit and verse five and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings now we 're going to have to quit there we didn 't get very far, but we 'll pick up on verse five tomorrow, so let me um, let me. Uh, turn back to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18 and pray this over you. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Stay with me now until we talk again.